Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends, where today we continue our conversation with my friend Michelle Woods and her friend, Vincent Smith. So Michelle, give us a few highlights. What are we going to cover today in our second part of this conversation? Yeah. Well, this first one rocks my world. Uh, Bible Barbie. Freaky Bible Barbie. (laughs) And that term comes to you from Vincent Smith himself. Thank you, Vincent. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Bible Barbies, tribes, and as promised last time that we didn't get around to, green grass. Okay. Mm. So Vincent, again, thank you for being willing to have part two of this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, we're going we're gonna to continue down the trajectory of what went awry with the movement so that those who are listening can understand, A, that if they were one of the ones teaching it, that maybe they can realize that they need a more balanced approach, and B, if they were the ones impacted by it, as many of my clients are, as many of your friends are in your generation, where do they go with that from here? And I think the most important thing is C, how do we do better with the next generation? But I want to revisit something that you had said, the message that it gives to, to guys and girls with the whole thing of boys have to pursue the girls. And the girls need to be passive. Girls don't chase boys was kind of part of the message. I didn't get that memo, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That memo came out after I had been chasing boys a long time. Shaking his head. I I was going to say, I love his eye rolls. (laughs) Here's my beef with that concept, okay? How many times am I working with a couple and his greatest beef is I feel as if I'm the one having to come on to her all the time, every time, or else it's never going to happen. And she is just totally passive and doesn't feel any responsibility or even freedom to interact and and like i think that it should be a tennis match i think that women should pursue their husbands and not only that i think that women should feel the freedom to pursue a boyfriend or fiance or husband if that's what she aspires to i i coach a lot of adult women who were taught don't chase boys and then when i ask them what are you doing to put yourself out there you've been single for 15 years now what are you doing to put yourself out there and they're like what i can do that (laughs) yes baby girl yes (laughs) ready for a husband you can pursue a husband so what do you think about the whole teaching women that they have to be so passive both before and after marriage that we've basically neutered them we've spayed them we've we've cut women off at the knees and then told them to run sexual marathons lord jesus preaching (laughs) Um, oh man that's a mouthful i i I think rejection and shame are so connected and when we talk about rejection shame comes up and Mm so when if i'm rejected by you if i put myself out there i can't live with the fact that i put myself out there and then all of a sudden because one person don't think that's i'm they speed don't nobody want me well, here's what I want to say. It's, it's, two, it's a two-way street. Um, sometimes the fellas have a bad c- conception of what Bible Barbie is. And mm-hmm. sometimes the ladies, like, I, I don't even want to say it's Ken. Like, or, or, or maybe it's like, 
uh, what's the other one? What's who? The, who defines GI Joe? Um, GI Joe. GI yeah. yeah. Yes. 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 Like, look, <laughs> may maybe 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 he is just um normal Jack. All right, he may not be GI Joe. He might be normal Jack. They didn't make and, a normal Jack doll, did they? Yeah. What was like, Skipper's just, just, brother? Normal Jack, and he got Whatever. you know what I'm saying his his <laughs> his khakis a little bit too high, you know. But he loves you. He pursues you. He think you fine. All of that, and you out here tripping because he's not GI Joe uh, on steroids, something like that. And so again, it's and here it comes back to our perception about what we want. Oh gosh, in a mate came from the same people who he didn't trust when they would start talking about sexuality. And so the people who told us what we wanted in a mate were also the same people that we did not trust. Um, their word, and when we talked about human sexuality, you know what I'm saying? Like we have to go back and they do the weren't hard giving work. you that role model example of what you wanted yes. your marriage to look like, but yet they yes. were the only people talking about what you want in a mate. Okay, I have to interject a hysterical joke here. It, it, can I interrupt this for a drop it? Joke. Okay, so this mother is overhearing her little girl saying, you know, playing with her Barbie and saying, "Come on, GI Joe, let's go." And her mother says honey, I thought that Barbie comes with Ken. And her little girl says, no, Barbie comes with G.I. Joe. She only fakes it with Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to This is is speechless. What? That's a verse. His hand is over his mouth. I was not ready for that (laughs) joke. I was not ready. Hey, <laughs> Shannon is a freaky Bible Barbie. She she blow your pants off. <laughs> Going back to these stereotypical norms that were kind of pushed on us for lack of anything better. Uh, what is something better? Do you think that it's healthy to teach both our sons and our daughters that when you get to the point that you're ready for a healthy relationship, it's okay to decide if someone fits your mold and to let your feelings be known and not play well, games about it. Well, I just think it's unbalanced because we scream, uh, Destiny's Child, all the women, women dependent. We say that for your job, but not for your marriage. We, you know what I'm saying? We tell <laughs> you to like say what you want in your, in your profession and go out there and get it and demand nothing less, but be silent when it comes to picking a mate. That's not balance. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that everybody heard you correctly. You said silent, not solid, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I really want women to find their voice to speak up about what they want and what they don't want, but also for the men to speak up about what they want or don't want. Because I have heard men clients say to me that I I only I hate to use the word settled, but they settled for the woman they thought that they could get rather than the woman that they really wanted. Uh, And I think that that, you know, a lot of that mentality too comes from the the purity movement of you need a good girl. You need a girl who's going to sit by your side at church and cook you dinner and give you beautiful children. But nothing was said about you want a wife who's comfortable in her own skin, who's not inhibited about being naked in front of her husband, and who really enjoys sexual intimacy with you. But isn't that what a man wants? Well, you have to talk about it. And I mean, 
just like who's going to say this to you? And and I'll I'll even say it this way: like we got to talk about it in 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 marriage counseling. Like it doesn't matter how many sessions I have in marriage counseling. If this is the first time you guys have talked about um you know <laughs> sexual intimacy right before you get ready to get married, we in trouble. Like <laughs> period period. But and, isn't that what the abstinence education movement did? Is there was no dialogue about what healthy looked like yes yeah, it was and the people who say no period and don't talk about it until you go to your premarital counseling session a week before you get married but the people who were having the conversation half of us in my generation half of us learned about the uh, what you call people doing uh having sex watching the real world and mtv half the time Not, you know what i'm saying we weren't having these conversations anywhere else and i just don't think people knew how to have them without looking like um stiff and rigid and you know Awkward. like yes because Anxious. like i get it that's a weird conversation to have like like you know think about our pastors uh michelle could you imagine them sitting at the pulpit talking to us about uh you know healthy sexual you know whatever it would have been awkward but i i think right. i'd have been thankful later on like man somebody was well, brave enough to have that conversation with me right you know what i mean and one of our pastors that, you know, I'm close to uh, as an adult, when I did have some major issues to hurdle over and some soul work to do, you know, he did pull me aside and, and loved me enough to talk intimately about these details. And it was super uncomfortable. Uh, and I'm such an open person anyways, and it was still weird, but yeah. at the same time, you know, I, I'll never forget it and appreciated it more than anything and so shannon you were talking earlier about you know how do we um how do we raise our this next generation coming up you yeah. know i've got a nine and 11 year old boys yeah well before we get and, into that i want to interject a point mm. like vincent was just making mm -hmm. i remember when i was about 10 my pastor was giving us a tour of the parsonage and he showed us one bedroom and said, this one is mine. And then he showed us another bedroom and said, this one is his wife's. Wow. I mean, he even gave me the impression that pastors don't ha don't even share don't a bedroom. Do you have your own bedroom? <laughs> that, that, that is a norm. Mm. I was almost normal for me seeing people like, y'all don't sleep in the same bed. Like I, like I was, I was trying to figure out like, like, so when people see that and, and they don't go like, you know, you're super strict in your household. Okay. Like you don't have a whole lot of sleepovers and you grow up seeing your mom and dad sleep in separate rooms or, or even this, like mommy, can I still sleep in the bed with you? So I want to say like, no, mommy and daddy mm -hmm. are trying to have mommy and daddy time. Like mm -hmm. you can cry all you want to, till you fall asleep. I don't be waiting until three o'clock in the morning so I could be intimate with mommy. All right. So go to bed anyway, I digress. basically the church has taught us turn the sexual dial way down 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 mtv or porn is what teaches us to turn it way way up so you feel like a bad girl or a bad boy if your energies are turned up and you feel like in order to become holy again you have to turn them back down how do we undo that part of the brainwashing how can we see 
that when our sexual energies run high and the blood that is coursing through our veins is concentrating in our genitals and causing us to be erect or engorged and it's making us interested in our mates, how can we view that as a healthy, holy thing? Hmm. <laughs> Michelle, you ready? Go, go, go. I want you to, I want you to go. I just... <clears throat> Me personally, I am so sexual that I didn't have trouble, you know, going from one extreme to the other. You know, I was like a caged animal, raring to go, you know, so. So the purity movement kind of held you back behind a dam and once your dam broke, you came bursting out. Like balls to the wall, full-fledged. But you weren't always that way, right? No, no. Not at all. Um, but as far as being in high school and dating and I mean, I ne- hardly ever did anything with anybody. And, you know, I wanted to please God. I really wanted to please my parents and, um, you know, be a good example to people like Vincent, <laughs> you know, that were my, my buddies there. And, but, um, so I did see the value of waiting and, um, but, but yeah, I, I think like you said, um, once I had that permission slip and that piece of paper that says, you know, legally it's okay. I, I was like, I didn't have trouble yeah. marrying I, like, you know what I'm saying? Navigating through that. Yeah. 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 But um, I, I just spoke with a girlfriend this morning. She did give me permission to share but she grew up just like I did, you know, I, I hate to say legalistic because I always think of such negative connotation when I say it, but that's the only way I know how to explain it. Everything was very black and white, you know, in our upbringings and belief systems and church. And um, when she got married, you know, she's also a very sexual person. When she got married, even years down the road, she struggled to be just uh feel the freedom and openness to um, make love with her husband in a certain way and be freaky and not just have sex missionary position. And it led her to starting to look at starting to look at porn. And so those were the only ways that she could kind of live out her fantasies was behind her husband's back to watch porn. And Mm. so, um, you know, that's, that's one example that I've, I've seen up close and personal, of it causing some dysfunction with going from one extreme to the other and not knowing how to bridge that gap there. I am glad you brought that up though, because uh, we have to break that myth that it's only the fellows watching porn. Oh man. Like some of it has to do with sexual frustration. Number one, number mm-hmm. two, it, it, you know, it is a very, it's very, it's very selfish. Um, it, it, it teaches you how to get what you want without doing the work on the other end. Okay. So I want to put three concepts out and get y'all's feedback because you have educated us all a lot today on how this movement did or didn't impact you and what you've been seeing with your friends and with your parishioners and all of that. I'm, I'm a few years ahead of you guys. So I have a little bit more hindsight in perspective, but again, you're the generation that has been most negatively impacted by this movement those who those who were negatively impacted by it i realize not everybody was but many are so first of all 
I think there's, there's a concept of the pendulum swing. It's true in a personal life and it's true in a society. And I think that your parents, Michelle and Vincent, your parents were the ones who were teenagers in the seventies, if my calculations are correct. And in the seventies, it was, the lid was just totally off the cookie jar. It was, you know, Woodstock and it was, you know, just getting high and having sex and just the hippie movement type of a thing. But then AIDS came down the pike and freaked everybody out and closed everybody down. And so I think that that generation of parents were desperate to lead their children into something different and something better. And so they went to the extreme of their generation got to have all the sex that they wanted, but my kids, I don't want them to have sex at all until they get married. Yeah. Do you see that that is kind of what motivated the sexual purity movement is just a desperation to make sure that our children didn't suffer some of the consequences that the children of the seventies had suffered. Yeah, I think that would be accurate. I, I think that, um, if you want to, if you want to be, um, sometimes a prophet to your nation, you gotta be a good historian. And so when you, like you just said, you just walked us through, um, kind of where we got, how we got to where we are, not where we are, where we were in that silver ring thing, true love waste movement. And now you can see kind of prophetically coming up the pike, if you will, um, what's about to happen. We're about to be back at the folks who came out of that movement who had bad baggage and bad understanding from it um, and shame from it may now be teaching their children. You know what? I don't want you to feel the way that I felt. Right. And, and so now I'm going to say be free, but with caution, we have to look at all things in balance because balance uh, but balance requires work and everything is so you have to navigate with nuance and I don't think people want to do the hard work of explaining um, and having the conversation that sex is beautiful, it's healthy. You, these urges are, are uh, they're accurate. They're on par. You shouldn't, uh, you know, try to demean them, um, but understand why you have them and for the purpose and timing in which they, they happen. I, I, will, I will say this, though. I do think to some degree, um, if this culture of <laughs> we got to be, we got to wait till our, our uh, lives are lined up for us to be married. And so you got folks who have had these urges since 13 years old who have not seen marriage until 30 um, because they have to get this stuff lined up. And I'm, I'm not saying for you to rush marriage. I'm just saying that um, some of this stuff you are pushing yourself more into sin because you are more chasing um, a dream and an ideal that you have everything figured out um, before you, before you can have a family and build a marriage. And when people will tell you, um, we ain't got it figured out. <laughs> That's a lot of all. pressure. It's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, to put on your spouse and to put on your family someday. Yeah. Is that all yeah. the sexual energy that I'm building up behind my dam is going to come gushing out as soon as I put the wedding band on my finger and my spouse has to fulfill all these sexual expectations of mine. It can create a lot of expectations. And so I, I do like that word balance. Um, my next concept is that there's a tribal mentality. 
I think that we all intuitively have a tribal mentality because we know that we can't exist apart from the tribe. So like with Vincent watching those 2000 people, watching him and his peers and all the peer pressure that he felt, it's like you don't want to do anything that, that you run the risk of getting ousted from the tribe. And I remember a big part of me leaving my life of promiscuity was I remember being told that, um, that my dad had, had thought about disowning me because he was so embarrassed or ashamed of me. And so there was that tribal mentality of, if I'm going to be accepted by the people that mean the most to me, I need to fall in line. And so I just want to be really careful with the parents. Like, I, I want parents communicating to their kids that, look, God's best is for us not to have a lot of sexual partners prior to marriage because it creates low self-esteem. It creates disappointment and disillusionment. It creates addiction sometimes. Sometimes it creates babies out of wedlock. It may create an STD, but sex is good. And I want you to enjoy that to the fullest. And the reason that I want you to save sex until marriage, if possible, isn't because sex is bad. It's because sex is good. But the other part of the story is if for some reason you find yourself unable to live up to that standard that God set, you are still loved by God, by me, by the church. You don't need to wallow in shame. You don't need to develop this horrid secret double life. Like it's okay to be who you are inside your sexual skin and be honest with me about, you know, the conversations that you may need to have as a result of what you experience in life. Is, does that sound like balance to you? To say Can yes, I record to that and play that for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, gonna yeah. press play and let I, him hear that. I just That's want perfect. everyone to know that they belong, no matter who they have sex with or how many times they've had sex or how much they've been abused. Or I want them to know that they belong and they're loved. And that that's where both our sexual and our spiritual confidence is going to come from. If we know that we're never going to be ousted from the tribe. And that was what my mother said to my dad in response is that I'm sorry, but my child could never do anything bad enough to ever make me disown her. My Lord. And that showed me what God's love was really like. And yeah, that, I mean, that's what I want our kids to hear from us, that mm -hmm. your sexual being and what you do with that is, is your opportunity but if you need help, please don't hesitate to ask me, even if it's from a place of failure, but I'm here well, to help you succeed. Yeah. Well, we gotta be careful. Um, I mean, again, if, especially for a preacher, like we're still preaching the gospel narrative. If we're talking about, let's go to scripture, while still in sin, Christ decided to die knowing, like, listen, Jesus is not surprised at how nasty I am. He is not surprised at the nastiness of my sin. There is a standard that he has set for me. And this is the standard he wants me to live by. And by us saying that we should be um, loving and extend grace and dignity to those who have um, made mistakes, it's not us giving our stamp of approval on those mistakes. It's, it's us saying we serve a God of grace who lets us see the standard and where we have not met the standard and then says, you're still a part of the family. I still love you. I yes. still speak dignity into you. And there is work to be done to redeem you, to make you look more like me through this, not 
um, you jack this up and how sinful you are. So we've got those people who say they're believing gospel and then say, man, you so jacked up. We can't do anything with you. Right. And I, and there are people who don't, and you don't even mean to do it. And again, like we've repeated before, whole lot of folks who are doing the best they can with what they had. But mm-hmm. if we're teaching the ethic of gospel saying we're being seasoned with grace, like a scandalous love that Jesus came and got a wretch like me, then that's got to apply when we're talking about a sexual ethic. Right. We cannot earn favor from God by living a sexually pure life. It doesn't work that way. Hmm. Um, My and, gosh. And God does not love us any less because of the number of sexual partners that we have had. We, we have to do a better job of letting people know that it's okay. It's okay to be who you are with all of your stuff and not feel the need to feel shame over it and that you can be real with us. And yeah. Okay. So here's the third concept I want to hear y'all's feedback on. I do think that between the people, I mean, not only is there a division between like my generation and your generation with the different messages that we may have gotten or didn't, I I mean, I really didn't get a message at all. I I never heard (laughs) sex talked about in church at all. So that's, that's why, I mean, I was just out there going crazy because I didn't have any guidance at all. You know, lack of vision causes people to perish and I had no vision for what sexual integrity was supposed to look like but there's also another division between those who have and those who haven't and what i mean by that is those who have had sex prior to marriage and those who haven't i think that there's a grass is always greener on the other side of the fence mentality in that those of us who did make those kind of mistakes we so wish that we hadn't we do have most of us have regrets about the kind of sex that we had or the kind of people that we had it with or whatever And our efforts at abstinence education or healthy sexuality education have been to help people not make those same mistakes. But then you have the flip side from y'all's perspective. And I've actually had a lot of people say, I went through the purity movement. I had the silver ring thing. I signed the pledge certificate, but I wish that I'd had more sexual experience when I walked into marriage. And it's like, I, I understand that they're not saying, I wish I had sinned. They're just saying that I'm not so sure that the path that I took really set me up to feel like a success in my sex life. And so I guess my point with that is, is there really any magical formula? Like no matter what, we kind of come into marriage jacked up, (laughs) whether it's from too much sex or not enough sex or not enough education or the wrong kind of education. Who of us comes into marriage and sex just totally having the playbook and completely feeling sexually confident. Yeah. Well, and for me, I mean, there was such a lack of knowledge when I got married at barely 20. You know, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what my desires were. Um, You know, so as far as, you know, hindsight being 2020, that couldn't be any more true in my case you know, I did go through the purity movement. I had a beautiful ring made that I gave to my first husband on our wedding day. Um, and then years later, I'm caught in the middle of multiple affairs. And then years down the road after that, I'm in another affair and my marriage ends. So could it have been saved if I, you know, so those wild oats prior to marriage? Have you thought, have you had that thought? Oh, yeah. would, I have be, would I have been different within my marriage if I had sowed those wild oats prior to marriage? Right. And I, I mean, as we've talked about, even on our show, you know, um, my issue started when my father died, but 
uh, the sexual aspect of my life and who the sexual being I am, you know, would I have loved to have more knowledge uh, prior to marriage in some way, shape or form looking back possibly, um, you know, there's just no way to know for me personally. Yeah. I, I don't think there's ever anything wrong with good, healthy education. I don't think we should ever be afraid of telling our kids right. too much. I think we should be and more afraid of telling them not yeah. enough. I sure. think that's where I'm at with it. I think it's, you know, you have those people who are saying like, I wish I would have, you know, known more, you know, it's, it's an educational piece. Like, I mean, again, like I, you, you name a Christian conference, I've heard of them and or been to them. There are not that many who talk about <laughs> uh, healthy um, sexual interaction and uh, um, what healthy sex life looks was, was inside a covenant marriage. And, and if you did it, who would volunteer to go? Uh, because again, it's, mm. it's still that weird. It's like, Oh, y'all the freaky Christian the couple that yeah. likes to go. Church and, is talking uh, about sex. And I mean, this is, this is, I, I, oh gosh, I don't go here. Remember that movement of, and again, I, I, w- I want to make sure that our eyes are being kept clean and pure and all the things, whatever, but it's like, it's like, if, 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 think about this way. Imagine the husband on Valentine's Day who wants to go and get something for his wife, you know, uh, at the, at the special the freaky store. store at the freaky <laughs> store all right and and the people looking like oh, i can't believe uh pastor sold so deacon sold so for the soul souls at the store and what i want to be like is like y'all better be y'all would be talking about him if he mm-hmm. was sneaking off with somebody else and now you're talking about him because he's just trying to go to the store to get something nice for his wife so they can enjoy their little um heart candy and roses and uh, what you call it? Boom, boom time on Valentine's Day. <laughs> like y'all gonna talk about people regardless. Either way, oh gosh, like, like That's let these point. people. Like again, there's such shame associated with like, dang, pastor going to get his wife so and so and so. And like, I'm just at the point now. Where I'm gonna say yes. I am. I want to please my wife. I am. <laughs> so Vincent, are you telling me that if I come to your house, you're not going to show me one bedroom where you sleep and another bedroom where your wife sleeps? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to show you a whole lot of laundry, one, <laughs> and, and two, where, where we sleep. And the magic happens. It's, and, this, and you know what? And, and, and uh, this is the thing. Like you learn and you grow and, and people have healthy conversation. Like there are two couples I'm thinking about right now who helped us talk about sex in a healthy way. We were like, oh yeah, y'all got to talk about this. Like, like, and they were the only folks I talked to about it. Like I didn't talk to my mom and dad about sex like this. I, I probably should have, but I, I didn't. They know like, they should have. You can't expect a child to initiate conversations like this. It's, it's so far out of their vocabulary. It's the parent's responsibility. Yeah, and, right. and again, and again, you, my father says all the time, you, you can only do what you know to do. Right. And if you have not seen that framework, it's hard to try to teach it and repeat it. But we have a responsibility in this generation that even though we didn't get a chance to be taught, um, that should not be an excuse for us not to teach it to ours. That's right. That's right. When I had that experience where I got called into the principal's office at that church and, and was interrogated as to what my views about sexual purity were, as if 
I was prescribing that no one should be sexually pure anymore. And that wasn't what I was doing. I was only echoing what other people were saying to me, mm-hmm. but that experience cut me to the core because sexual integrity is what my ministry has been all about for 27 years. And as a pastor, could I ask you to speak the words that I only wish that that pastor had been able to speak to me? Hmm. Can you come at this whole topic from a different angle and speak words of affirmation for my concern for the women in the audience who were echoing this same sentiment that I have heard over and over? Yeah. You know, if she was to come to your church and, and openly share information and, and her heart on this whole topic, like, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't it be a positive thing, basically? It'd be beneficial because somebody's talking about it. I, I, wish, I wish I could go back in time and record the conversation that Pastor Todd Strain and Megan Strain shared with us, and it was somebody who we loved and we cared about and we had a relationship with that was willing to have the quote-unquote awkward conversation and explain what they saw students walking into. And so what Todd and Megan were dealing with on a ground level is that they were dealing with people just like us, like half their students that they came, that, that were in our ministry, came from the True Love Waits um, Silver Ring thing narrative. And they were discipling us and helping us process through that pain. And so if there would be anybody willing to talk about that conversation, oh my gosh, please come. Have all three services and the Wednesday <laughs> night. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, oh, it's so needed. I, I so wish that that pastor had seen the value in having these very conversations because it's important that women, especially women in church, know that they do have a voice. And if they are struggling because of a previous teaching or a, a movement that they experienced, it's important that they know that they can speak up and, and be honest about that. I think that what I heard that pastor say, though, quite frankly, I think that what I really heard him say was, should we oust you from the tribe? Should we disown you? Mm-hmm. That it, it just, it, it, it was an emotional trigger that reminded me of my dad's response when I'm just trying to represent what women are saying and what men are saying that mm-hmm. this movement wasn't all that it was cracked up to be because it's left me with a lot of baggage that I still haven't known how to unpack yet. So to describe people's pain and give them a voice to just be honest about where they are in their sexuality I think that that's what the church has to do. We can't be defensive and guard our previous attempts just so we feel better about ourselves. We have to be honest and humble and say, what impact has this had on your life? And if it's had a positive impact, hallelujah, praise God. If it's had a negative impact on your life, I'm not going to take that personally. Share that with me. Let's come and reason together about what you need now to move forward with sexual confidence in your marriage. Mm-hmm. That's good. Sheesh. To help yourself, girl, feel better. <laughs> My Lord, feel better. That hey, that that was how'd that feel, man? I'm 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 shouting with you over here. Gosh. So Vincent, thank you so much again for taking all yes. the time to unpack this with us and I, I'm just I'm excited about your marriage, your family, and your ministry. I wish that you were my pastor. I oh, I wish that everybody 
Yeah, I wish that everybody had the kind of pastor that they can be real with and not fear judgment or being drugged into the principal's mm -hmm. office. And so thank you for affirming what many men and women are feeling out there. And Michelle, thank you for introducing us to Vincent. Yeah, I'll share him, Michelle. I guess. Michelle, <laughs> that's family. That's family. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so appreciate what you guys are doing uh, and how you're helping the body. I, I guarantee you that um, my tribe, my crew will hear about this podcast and I'm going to share and uh, talk thank more about you. it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you thank bet. you. You bet. We thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap. This is Shannon Etheridge and we love you for listening. And I'm Michelle Woods and we thank you for tapping on us. Yeah.